This is the Engineering Career Coach Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to helping engineers succeed in work and life. The show is hosted by engineering enthusiast Anthony Fasano and Chris Knutson. Both are professional engineers who found success early in their careers and now work together to help other engineers do the same. Now it's showtime. Hello, this is Anthony Fasano, and this is the show for engineers who want to succeed in both work and life. In today's episode, I'm going to interview Tom Miller of WTFProfessor.com, who's going to give us some strategies on how to re-engineer the learning process. I really enjoy this interview with Tom. I'm learning Spanish right now, so we kind of use that as, as an example, but his strategies will apply to learning anything, and I think you'll find a lot of value in it. In a moment in the main segment, I'll introduce Tom more formally, and we'll jump right into the interview. However, before we do that, I want to take a brief moment to recognize our sponsor for today's episode, PPI. If you're thinking about taking the FE, PE, or SE exam this year, I recommend that you check out PPI, the leader in engineering exam preparation. For a special 15% discount, use promo code COACH at ppi2pass.com forward slash coach. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com forward slash coach and use the promo code coach at checkout for 15% discount on your order. I also want to let you know that we have created a 30-day $1 trial for our engineering career community at the request of many of our podcast listeners. So now within minutes, you can access all of the great discussions in our forums and over 40 past webinars on soft skill development for engineers, including communication, networking, how to use LinkedIn effectively, Etc., and you can get it all for a $1 trial at engineeringcareercommunity.com. All right, with that, I want to give you a quote related to today's topic of learning to bring us into the show. The quote is from Mahatma Gandhi and goes as follows Live as if you were to die tomorrow, learn as if you were to live forever. With that, let's jump into the main segment. All right, now it's time for the main segment of our show. For today's main segment, my guest is Tom Miller from WTFProfessor.com. Tom is an engineer and physics tutor obsessed with independent learning. He writes about unconventional study methods at his website, WTFProfessor.com, which are aimed at simplifying the learning process for engineers and technical students. His blog covers topics related to studying more effectively, understanding course material more deeply, and sustainably staying on top of your courses for students. Tom graduated from University of Maryland's Clark School of Engineering, cum laude, with departmental honors in mechanical engineering while double majoring, working at internships, and doing undergraduate research. Since then, he's spent the past four years obsessing over making learning and technical work more effective, refining his process both in industry and with his tutoring clients. And today, he's going to share some of that obsession with you, the listener. Welcome in, Tom. Hey, Anthony. How are you doing? Good. So for those of you out there, if you, if you visit Tom's site, you'll see he talks a lot about students. But I think also his from some of the material I read, his techniques and some of his strategies can pretty much apply to learning kind of across the board. And I know he has a whole course around this, which we'll talk a little about too later on in the show. But what we're going to do today basically is Tom's going to give us a little bit more about his story and kind of how he started doing this, which is a very interesting endeavor that he's pursuing here. And then we'll also go through five strategies or points based around learning effectively. 
The show notes for today's show will be at engineeringcareercoach.com forward slash WTF. That's lowercase WTF. And the show notes will contain summary of the points that we're going to discuss and any links and resources that we mentioned, as well as uh, Tom's website and some uh, items that he has on his site specifically. And again, that's engineeringcareercoach.com forward slash WTF. All right, Tom, well, welcome aboard. Why don't you start off by telling the listeners a little bit about kind of your story that I just briefly touched upon and how you started doing what you're doing today? Sure, no problem. Yeah, I guess this uh, this whole obsession that I that I have with uh, the the learning process it kind of all started back towards the end of high school. So I, I was a pretty mediocre student in high school. I, I was more focused on girls and playing basketball with my friends than uh, going <laughs> to class and doing my homework. But uh, really, junior year when I started thinking about going to college started getting a little bit more serious. I had a couple of uh, great uh, math and physics teachers who really pushed me in the direction of engineering. And uh, I started to turn my study practices around towards the end of high school. And then uh, I got accepted to the University of Maryland's uh, Clark School of Engineering. And so as I sort of entered into college, I was very enthusiastic about doing well. So I put in a lot of study time, a lot of time uh, taking notes, doing the homework, doing everything I was supposed to be doing. And I started to get pretty good grades. But uh, the one thing that I was noticing is I was spending all of this time going to class and, and doing all the sort of reading the textbook, doing the things the professors were telling me to do. And uh, I was kind of driving myself crazy, spending way too much time on the actual studying. And then I had a couple of exams where I thought I did the appropriate amount of studying for and uh, kind of bombed them. So at that point, I started uh, kind of looking into some better ways of doing things. And that kind of got me down the road of what are the actual best practices for learning. So throughout the remainder of my uh, college career, I started uh, working through these types of things that we'll talk about in a little bit. But uh, bottom line, I was really able to uh, decrease the amount of time I had to spend studying to uh, still do well in my classes. Like you mentioned, I graduated you know, top 5% of my engineering class. I did a double major in philosophy. I had a couple of different engineering internships. I did undergraduate research. So all of that time that I was able to spend on those other activities were basically freed up by using my time effectively to, to learn what I needed to in class. So that's kind of what led me down the road. And then I sort of continued my sort of obsession with self-learning as I got my first job and started moving into the workplace. So I I currently work at a uh, manufacturing company that makes uh, components for automotive suppliers. And when I first started out on the job, it was was pretty surprising. It was, uh, you know, you learn all this stuff in school and then you get on the job and you're basically... uh, thrown to the wolves to figure it out by yourself and uh, you know all the theories and equations that you you learned in school don't necessarily have anything to do with what you're doing at work. So that was a whole new journey into sort of creating my own curriculum, if you would call it, to learn from and then uh, sort of pursuing that further towards uh, you know different aspects of work that would make me a better engineer. So that's the process I've continued to today. And sort of uh, along with that, I, I've uh, gotten into sharing those practices with students. So started up uh, tutoring students in math and physics a couple of years ago, 
I continue that today. And then uh, this, this latest project of mine, WTF Professor, is uh, aimed at sort of broadcasting those practices to as many upcoming engineers and other students as possible. Wow, that's awesome. And I think this is great for a lot of reasons. I mean, one of the things we try to focus on at the Engineering Career Coach is helping engineers be the best they can be at work, but also you know, maintaining a personal life that's fulfilling. In order to do that, you obviously need time. And I think a lot of the stuff that you talk about can help you to maybe free up your time or have more time to do some other things, which is use plus. And I think just learning in general for me, and I know Chris, my partner, we're big believers in constant learning and improvement. I mean, I'm learning Spanish right now so I can give my engineer your own success seminar in Spanish. And that's why I believe in a lot of the stuff that you do is is great because it's just going to help people to learn faster and take in the information. So with that, let's jump in here. The first point that Tom's going to hit on is in-context learning, kind of along the lines of the 80-20 approach to learning technical material. Tom, why don't you dive into this one? Sure. So I think this is a, a more sort of strategic level principle that, that you can apply, you know, not only as a student to, uh, you know, learning in class and figuring out what do I actually need to learn to do well on the test, but it's also, you know, th- this is kind of like, as an engineer, if you're pursuing your independent learning effort, if you're like you're doing learning Spanish, you really need to have this in mind in order to not you know, find yourself spending a lot of time learning things that may not necessarily get you to where you want to be. So I, I think the, the overarching principle here is you want to have a goal that you're trying to achieve. So if you want to learn Spanish, maybe your goal is I want to have a a five-minute conversation with a, a native Spanish speaker, or if you're uh, on the job and you want to, uh, you want to get a Six Sigma certification. Those are the types of goals that that are good to set for your specific learning effort. Because I, I think a lot of times there's so many resources out there that you know you can basically find anything you want to find, learn about it. And uh, it, it gets overwhelming at times, but if you have a specific goal that, that you're trying to achieve, it sort of narrows your focus down on the learning activities that you can pursue that get you there the fastest. So that, that's where the sort of 80-20 principle comes in. You really want to do the work up front to identify what, what are those 20% of learning activities that I can do to get me 80% of the way to the result that I want. How do you do that, Tom? So, I mean, one way to do that is to uh, take a look backwards from the end. So if your goal is to learn Spanish and you want to have a five-minute conversation, you might ask yourself, okay, what are the key you know, phrases that, that most Spanish speakers use in a regular conversation? And what words do I need to understand? What sentence structure do I need to understand to get there? And then what, what's the most effective way that I can sort of get those that vocabulary into my head so that I can actually use it in a conversation. So it's really just looking at exactly what you want to do. Like if you're a student, looking at what are the types of questions I'm going to see on the exam, what are the principles about what I'm learning that I need to know to answer those questions, and then how do I learn those things most effectively during my study sessions. That's great. So basically, you're starting with the end in mind and you're trying to, basically, you don't, you're not looking to go through all the details necessarily. You want to just focus in on the, on the kind of the big wins. 
at the end of the day, what's going to work. So I would assume if you're trying to get a license, like you mentioned, like the Six Sigma or even like your PE license, one of the places to start would be with the actual exam. Exactly. Yeah. So if you just type in to Google past PE exams, I'm sure you could find tons of sort of examples of questions that they ask on the exam. And then you can kind of start to, to work your way backwards from there. Because I mean, one, one thing that, uh, that I think we need to keep in mind is that humans aren't designed to learn necessarily. Humans are sort of, you know, the, the brain has, has developed in a way that it focuses first on being as efficient as possible so you can, you can survive. So you're gonna, your brain is going to conserve energy unless you have a specific goal that you've identified that you connect with something that's going to benefit you. So this is the idea of goal-oriented learning. So unless you have a goal in mind, it's going to be very difficult for you to find the not only the focus to focus in on those couple of things that are going to get you the result, but also the energy to, to put into that learning effort. So that kind of all ties in with look at what you want to achieve, break down what you need to get there, and then that's sort of your starting point. Excellent. And and just to, to build on that a bit, Chris and I are big believers in the 80-20. We talk about it all the time on the podcast. And we recommend uh, Richard Koch's books on the 80-20 rule. And I'll link to them in the show notes for this show again. We talk about them all the time. Also, I think just kind of in the spirit of what Tom talked about in this first point, as kind of an example, taking the PE exam, one of our engineering career community members Andy Lynn wrote a great post on our website, which you can find at engineeringcareercoach.com forward slash PE exam. And it's entitled PE exam prep guide, how you can pass the PE exam without having to study everything. And I think a lot of what he talks about in that post, which has gotten tremendous feedback, is reflective of what Tom mentioned here in point number one. So with that, let's go down to the next point number two, which is your mindset. And Tom, talk to us a little bit about mindset and this idea of this fixed mindset trap that you talk about. Okay. So this is uh, getting a little bit, we started, you know, really big picture talking about goals and what, what do you want to do to achieve that learning goal? But this is getting a, a little bit more towards the, the tactical aspect of when you actually sit down to learn, what are the things that you can do to enhance your learning efforts, get more out of the time that you put in versus things that can trip you up and sort of demotivate you and, and uh, prevent you from reaching whatever goal you're trying to achieve. So uh, this idea of mindset, there's a great book, it's actually titled Mindset by uh, Professor Carol Dweck, who uh, is a researcher at Stanford University. And this is a, I think, a, a more long-term study of, of students and their behavior towards learning material and how that affects their learning outcomes. So you mentioned the fixed mindset trap. What Dweck has done is she's kind of broken down you know, your different students' approach to learning into these two different categories. There are students who have a fixed mindset and there are students who have a growth mindset. So the difference is that the student with the fixed mindset, they believe that people are sort of inherently smart or stupid, or they're inherently good at math or bad at math. And that's a sort of inbuilt skill set will determine you know whether you can become a uh, an engineer in the industry or whether you can become a professor uh, in economics or whether you're sort of relegated to a less uh, prestigious job or, or a job that uh, doesn't fit uh, sort of that technical framework 
on the opposing side, the, the students who adopt a growth mindset, they believe that uh, sort of your skill set is more malleable. So you put in more effort to learn math, you can become a better mathematician. If you put in the effort to, I don't know, learn another language or learn how to uh, paint, you can become you know, fairly artistic, you can become bilingual. And so what she's found is that the students who adopt this fixed mindset tend to uh, you know, be very hard on themselves. They obviously become a, a little bit apprehensive about demonstrating their skills because if they think that they're not good at math or a different subject, they don't want to sort of reveal their deficiency to other students or other teachers. And what this leads to is uh, essentially these students don't want to reveal and study their mistakes. And th this turns out to be one of the key principles towards uh, making rapid improvement is the best learners in the world, what they do is they obsessively try to identify their mistakes as quickly as possible and then take those mistakes and work on them so that they become not, not deficiencies but advantages. So this is um, on the opposing side, the growth mindset Students and learners who have the growth mindset, they do exactly that. They have a fundamental belief that if they can identify their mistakes, put in the effort to learn where they went wrong and what they can do better next time, the, uh, the better that they'll get. So this, this sort of fundamental difference between your mindset that you approach learning with will be a big determining factor in how quickly you learn and what your ultimate learning potential is. Yeah, that's a good one too. And I think this is really important for anyone out there looking to learn something new. And again, going back to my example of Spanish, I always thought that I couldn't learn Spanish. You know, I made up all kinds of reasons. Like one, no one in my family has really learned any other languages. Number two, the Spanish language is a very fast paced language. But, you know, as I'm moving along, I found a couple of good courses and I am learning it and I am progressing quite a bit. So I think this kind of speaks to Tom's point here is that your mindset going into this process is critical for your success coming out. If you take that approach of, well, you know, I wasn't born with the gene to be able to learn Spanish or get my P exam as easily as everyone else, then that you're going to have a difficult time. So I think that this is a really, really, really important task. I guess, Tom, this is a good time for me to ask you this question when we're talking about mindset and 80 20. I'm a big fan of Tim Ferriss, author of The 4-Hour Workweek, and if you haven't heard of Tim, those of you out there listening, we'll link to his books in the show notes here. But one of the things that he talks about a lot is this idea of the 10,000 hours, where if you want to become an expert in something, it's kind of like a general rule out there that you need to spend 10,000 hours doing whatever that may be. And, and of course, I don't know if he disagrees with it or if he just thinks that there's not a need to become that much of an expert in any one thing when you can in a shorter amount of time, you can learn enough in a lot of things to become pretty good at them. What are your thoughts on that, just in general, as far as do you have a belief that you know you need to put in a certain amount of time, or are you? what do you feel about that, just in general? That's a great question. And yeah, there is kind of that, that debate over what does it actually take to become you know, a, a top performer in any particular field. I think it's a much more complex question than a black or white either you don't need 10,000 or you do need 10,000. I think, uh, you know, obviously the 10,000 hour rule was more targeted at very well established kind of narrow skill sets, like becoming a, a concert violinist. 
or becoming a chess master, things like that. I think the reason that someone like Tim Ferriss uh, might disagree or, or take issue with that is not necessarily that it doesn't take thousands of hours of work to become good at things, but I think his thesis is that you don't necessarily have to become a master at one very narrow skill set to have success. And that's definitely kind of the approach that I take. There's actually a, a great book by author Robert Greene called Mastery, where he kind of goes into a little bit more of the, the nitty gritty on uh, sort of the, how you can customize your own approach to putting in those hours. So it doesn't necessarily mean that to become a great engineer, you have to spend 10,000 hours uh, designing products or 10,000 hours analyzing structures. But what it means is that you have the ability to kind of customize your skill set to fit a particular niche that fits your personality, that fits your interests, and that you can take you know, thousands of hours of experience in a lot of diverse different areas to sort of become a master in that particular niche. So you might have a thousand hours in Spanish, a thousand hours in coaching engineers, and a thousand hours in uh, public speaking, and maybe you combine all of those things to fit, you know, whatever path that you see yourself taking. And that combination of hours can materialize into expertise and mastery, but it doesn't necessarily have to be you're tallying up those 10,000 in one particular area. Yeah, and I think that's important, especially to this conversation, because if you're talking about a course or an exam, you're not necessarily looking to become an expert in all these different topics. You're looking to just maybe get an A or pass the exam, which you know, which is a lot of what Tom's talking about here is, is identifying some of the key points. So I just wanted to kind of throw that out there. All right, let's move on to the next point, Tom. We're going to touch on absorbing new concepts because that's obviously something that's critical when you're trying to learn and be an effective learner. So talk to us about absorbing new concepts. Yeah, so I think there's a kind of this pattern that we learned very early on in school, which is when you want to learn something new, there's this is the way to do it. And it's to go to the class and listen to an expert tell you about this information in a very logical way. You're supposed to take notes on those things. And then you're supposed to kind of absorb this new information from those, those notes and what the expert is telling you. And then you can go back home and you can kind of replicate that method on your homework or the exam or, or whatever you're doing. Unfortunately, that's not really how the brain works for learning. We're not uh, quite uh, as robotic as that, that model thinks that we should be. So I think uh, you know, whether you're at work or you're at school, the approach to learning new concepts needs to be a little bit more uh, fluid and a little bit more active. So there's this uh, distinction between passive learning and active learning. And passive learning is when you're kind of sitting there just listening to someone tell you something. And you might understand what they're saying, but you're not necessarily activating your, your own brain to internalize those new concepts. So, you know, whether it's your, your boss at work is introducing you to some sort of manufacturing technology and you're just kind of listening to him talk about it, you know, you can, you can repeat what he's saying to yourself as many times as you want. But when it comes to actually understanding how to apply that technology to whatever project you're working on, that's really a whole different story. So there are some best practices that I think we can take towards absorbing new information that are a little bit outside of the box. So I guess a couple of those would be 
uh, this idea that when you're learning something new, the only way you're going to be able to actually remember what you're learning is if you're attaching it to knowledge that you already have. So your brain makes connections in this way. So one thing you might do is you're going to have to learn about some new technology at work. Spend 10 to 15 minutes uh, Googling around for the, the concept, looking at Wikipedia, and just generate a list of 10 questions that you have about it. So what does the technology do? Who came up with it in the first place? What are the advantages, disadvantages? And you're not trying to actually learn it at this point. What you're doing is you're setting up a, a set of questions that you can sort of dialogue with yourself and ask yourself as you're learning about this new concept. So then when you go to the actual demonstration or the presentation or whatever you're going to where the person is going to disseminate this information, you're already sort of developing a framework in your own head where you can sort of attach that, that new learning to. So that, that's one quick sort of trick you can do to sort of get more out of these interactions where you're learning new material. Another thing you can do is kind of customize the material that you're learning. So one of the things that we do is we take notes on things or we record information and store it. But a lot of times what we, the mistake that we make is we leave it in that form. So you, you take notes in a notebook and then you close the notebook and you put it aside and say, okay, I've got that information. If I need it again, I'll go back and refer to my notebook. The problem with that is you really haven't internalized that information in a way that it turns into a mental model in your head. And so what I mean by that is we have these mental models that we operate and learn from that sort of structure the way that we view material. So if you're learning Spanish, you might have a couple of mental models around how you put together a sentence or what you say when someone comes and says hello to you. What are the different responses that you can have? That's a lot different than recording, you know, what's the English to Spanish translation of hello, how are you? And what you can do to sort of combat that is take these things that you're learning and reorganize them in a way that makes the most sense to you. So, you know, if you have a list of vocabulary words in Spanish that are used in a conversation, maybe you reorganize those vocabulary words in a way where you're constructing sentences and like actually having like a back and forth dialogue. Or maybe you put together like a list of common responses to hello, how are you in Spanish? So this is really just a way of taking the information that you are recording and putting it in a form where you can actually use it actively as part of your skill set. You know, again, just staying on the topic of learning Spanish, because it's for me, I'm doing it now and it's, I think it's a good example. I'm actually doing two different methods. One is I'm taking a course from this website called the Mimic Method, which is a great, which I think is a great process. What they're doing is they start by teaching you how to sing songs in Spanish. So they'll break down some of the sounds in the chorus of the song, and then they'll have you literally sing it like over and over. And the point of it is to, one, help you to work on the sounds of the words, so your muscle memory in your mouth and your tongue, and then also to start to understand the flow of the language and the fast pace of the language. And the idea is, is that before you even learn the vocabulary, if you're getting these things down, once you start to learn vocabulary and hear conversations, it's going to make it a lot easier. Whereas most people will try to just, like you're saying, go to a class, listen to them talk a lot about different Spanish words, and they go out there and actually try to have engage in a conversation. And you're going to be like, I have no idea what 
these people are saying. They're talking way too fast for me. So I think this is a great point is that you've got to be able to put what you're learning into a form that's going to help you to be able to actually utilize it or else it's just pointless. The other program that I'm using or website I'm using is discoverspanish.com, which in there I'm going through the lessons that I'm taking. I have an Evernote where I'm typing in the phrases and kind of like Tom said, I'm trying to type in the phrases that are very useful, like responses to questions, and then I can review them and kind of put those two methods together. But you know, I know in the past, many things that I, at times I've done what Tom said is you just write something in a notebook, you put it in there and you never do it again. And that's really not effective learning. That's actually a really great example. The, uh, sort of this, the song is, is your framework for putting together all these different aspects of the sounds and the meaning of the words and how you string different words together rather than, you know, the approach, the sort of quote unquote logical approach would be to learn the vocabulary words and then learn how to sound them out and then learn how to put them together in sentences instead of sort of doing it in a, a logical but disjointed sequence, you, you have this overarching framework where you can tie everything together and it actually has meaning for you. So that, that's really cool. Yeah. And I also found too, which I think is important, is that like within a couple of weeks of doing this course, you're literally singing a song in Spanish. And I think that also gives you a lot of confidence because you're like, all right, I got, I kind of got this. Not, not that you got it down, but you feel like I can say this, I can do this pace. And I found that to be helpful and it kind of makes me interested and keep going. Like, what's the next song? You know, what am I going to learn? So it's a pretty interesting topic. So let's move on. We got two points here left. The next point is knowledge and skill acquisition, kind of this idea of theoretical versus practical knowledge. Why don't you jump in on that, Tom? Yeah, sure. So this is a kind of like a big thing for students in terms of taking the knowledge that you're learning in class and actually converting it into a form of knowledge that you can use to actually solve problems on tests. So, you know, one of the biggest complaints I get from the students that I work with is like, I feel like I understand it when the professor's talking about it. I can go home and work through the homework problems and understand what's going on. But then I show up to the exam and it's like I'm seeing the material for the first time. I, I draw a complete blank when I have to solve the problems on my own. And this is sort of, this is a big issue that, that students have. But I think it's also a big issue for, you know, in, in the workplace as well. This goes back to the idea of theoretical versus practical knowledge. So I think we probably all know that guy at work. For example, I work uh, with uh, injection molding. So there are a couple of guys at work who uh, have master's degree uh, degrees in plastics engineering. They can tell you everything about an injection molding machine and how it works and the different principles and how the material melts and everything like that. The machine is producing a, a, a product that has some sort of defect and you're trying to sort of problem solve and figure out what to do with the machine to, to get it to produce a, the product that you want. Those guys aren't necessarily as effective as they sound when they talk about the things that they know about. And, you know, maybe the, the operator of the actual machine is, you know, sort of fiddles with a couple of dials and, and gets the machine producing a really nice product and they don't necessarily know the, the theory behind it, but they know that if they apply these certain problem-solving methods, they can fix the issue. The knowledgeable guy is sort of the theoretical guy, and then the operator machine is the practical guy. Ideally, you'll have both of those things, but they're actually kind of like, they're two separate aspects of knowledge that we don't typically think about. We typically think like, if you understand how an engine works, you can go work on a car. But that's actually pretty far from the truth. And uh, there's actually 
three types of knowledge that kind of all come together to form a skill set or, or expertise in a particular area. One of them is at the top level, like I said, this theoretical, conceptual knowledge. And that's what we were talking about before, like you're learning how a certain technology works or a machine works. That's sort of the, the theoretical aspect of that. The second type of knowledge is uh, this sort of more practical knowledge. It's called procedural knowledge. That's you know knowing what to do when something goes wrong or knowing what to do to solve a certain type of problem. And then the third level is you know, more uh, sort of memory-based factual knowledge. You know, what are, the, what are the equations? What do the symbols mean? Things like that. And what we need to do is figure out how do I actually acquire these, all three of these types of knowledge, ideally in parallel. And that, that's what's going to get us the, the background knowledge to understand the problem and then the actual ability to solve the problem and uh, get the result that we want. All right, now let's move into the last step here, the last point, which is becoming an optimized learning machine, which revolves around routines and habits to get your brain prepared for learning. Touch on this one, Tom. So this is getting probably the most tactical, which is, you know, when you're actually sitting down to put in that hour of learning, what are the things that I should be doing that are going to get me the fastest results? So the number one thing that that you just mentioned was kind of establishing a routine or a habit that's going to get you in sort of the learning mode. So there are a couple of sort of things that go into this, but if you're going to be learning something new, you want to be doing this at, at a time of the day where your mental energy is kind of not, not necessarily at a peak, but you don't want to be depleted. So uh, you kind of want to set up a routine where you're not necessarily coming home from work at the end of the day when you're exhausted because you're not you're not going to have the the mental energy to to approach these really difficult problems. So maybe that's uh, setting up a morning routine where you get up, you exercise, you come back, and you put in you know thirty minutes or an hour on your project or whatever you're trying to learn. So like I mentioned, exercise is a great way to sort of prime the brain for learning, particularly cardiovascular exercise. It's a chemical cocktail in your head that. Uh, creates new brain cells is uh, amplified up to 10 times after you know a couple of hours after exercise. So that's a great way to sort of prime yourself for, for learning something new. And then uh, the other aspect is uh, you know, incorporating some of these learning principles that we talked about. So if you're learning a concept for the new time, for the first time, finding a way to rework the material so that it works for you applying this sort of questioning technique that we talked about. And then some other things you can do to convert that into more practical knowledge is to test yourself on it. So you learn something and then you put that aside and you ask yourself some questions about that. So maybe in Spanish, you have to come up with a, you know, a regular sort of dialogue uh, off the top of your head. That's a great way to sort of activate and solidify that, that learning. So those are some different ways where you can sort of set up a routine for yourself where you're making progress every day on not only the understanding of the concepts, but also the skill of applying that new knowledge at the same time. Okay. So that kind of covers these five strategies. And I'll just real quick, I'll review them. The in-context learning, kind of that 80-20 approach, the mindset, whether you have the fixed mindset or the growth mindset. Absorbing new concepts, we talked about how to actually 
take something that you learn and put it into a form that you can absorb it, which is obviously critical. Knowledge and skill acquisition, the idea of theoretical versus practical. And then lastly, Tom just talked about becoming an optimized learning machine with routines and habits to kind of prime your brain, which is really big. We did an episode on the podcast, which you can find at engineeringcareercoach.com forward slash rituals, which was episode 59. We talked all about morning and evening routines and rituals, which is really, really critical, at least that I found to everyone that I've talked to on the podcast about just being successful and achieving your goals. So what we're going to do now is we're going to jump into the Take Action Today segment, and I'm actually going to give you one piece of advice to help you with learning something, regardless of how big or how small it is, and I'll keep Tom with me here for a minute, and I'm sure he might be able to add to the advice that I'm going to give. All right, now it's time for our Take Action Today segment of the show. And this is where we try to take all the information that we just gave you and distill it down into one or two actions that you can take immediately to start to improve yourself. And in this case, we're talking about learning or effective learning. So before we give you this piece of advice, I just want to take a minute to offer a word from today's episode sponsor, PPI. If you are planning to take the FE Electrical and Computer exam, I suggest you check out PPI's brand new FE Electrical and Computer Review Manual as well as their brand new online review course. The book and the course both come with a passing guarantee and are the top resources I've seen in the FE Electrical market. PPI also has discipline-specific review manuals, practice exams, and review courses for the FE Civil, FE Mechanical, and FE Other Disciplines exams. To browse all products in your FE discipline and receive a 15% off promo code, visit ppi2pass.com forward slash coach. That's PPI, the number two, pass.com forward slash coach. PPI's mission is simple. They want to help engineers pass the FE, PE, and SE exams and advance their careers. Quality is paramount at PPI. It is the driving force behind everything they do. With best-selling exam review materials developed by PPI founder Michael Lindenberg and other experts in the industry, they have been the source and solution for passing the FE, PE, and SE exams for more than 40 years. To see how PPI can help you pass your exam, and for special offers and discounts exclusive to our podcast listeners, visit ppi2pass.com forward slash coach. That's PPI, the number two, pass.com forward slash coach. All right, so I'm going to start this Take Action Today segment by giving you a piece of advice that's been very helpful for me with regards to learning. I remember because I'm pretty aggressive and motivated, I want to learn so many things. And I remember I would try to just take something really big and say, okay, listen, I'm going to learn Spanish or I'm going to pass my PE exam. And my goal was really big. And I realized that I wasn't making a lot of progress because I needed to break it down into smaller steps. And this is something I literally just started. And I went through this on the July webinar for the engineering career community. And if you remember, you could check it out from our recordings page. But basically, I created this daily habit tracker spreadsheet, and it has different columns for things I want to do every day. So I'll have Spanish, and that's literally a 10 minutes of Spanish every day. And I'll either make it a zero at the end of the day or a one if I did it. And then over time, I can see, not only can I see how my progress is doing and how much I've been focusing on it, but I can also see how much I'm really committed to it. And I tell you what, even though it's just a basic spreadsheet that I use, It really keeps it in the forefront of your mind and really makes sure that you get that stuff in once a day, whatever it may be. So I might have uh, another goal that I might be working on. I might have another column for that. 
like my morning ritual, I have a column for that. And I make sure I, I want to do that and accomplish that every day. So that's just something that's simple that works for me. And I wanted to share it with you. Tom, you have anything you can share? Yeah, no, I, I really like that approach and that that sort of, you know, building that habit of working towards the, the process versus the end goal is, is what's actually going to get you there. Another thing that uh, that I might add is you're going to be tracking, you know, how much time am I spending learning these different things. Another thing you can do is, uh, you know, at the end of each week, maybe test yourself a little bit. So if you're learning Spanish, maybe you can test yourself in a conversation or you can look back at your log and see how many days out of the week I, I accomplished my sort of habit goal and which days I didn't and maybe play around with some different times during the day where you're actually working on these things. Maybe you can adjust your process from there. So incorporating sort of a, a weekly test or a weekly review can uh, keep you improving and keep you on track for, for making progress towards your goal. Big thanks again to Tom Miller for coming on here and sharing a lot of his insight and information he has about becoming a better learner or more effective at learning. Tom does have a free five-day study crash course on his website at wtfprofessor.com. Tom, just real quickly, tell us about the course. I'm assuming it's going to cover a lot of this stuff that you talked about today in more detail. Yeah, absolutely. So it'll run you through five days, sort of a a similar type of framework, moving from you know how to approach learning to the actual like tactical aspects of what should I be doing during my learning sessions. It is targeted towards students, but I think a lot of the principles in there will be directly applicable to to anybody who's learning a new skill or learning something new at work. So definitely check that out; it's free. And then feel free to send me over any questions that you might have about it. Awesome. And we'll link up to all of Tom's information in the show notes, which again, will be at engineeringcareercoach.com forward slash WTF. That's lowercase WTF. And we do monitor all comments and we will respond. If you leave us one, if it's for Tom, I'll make sure he gets it and he can respond to it as well. So until next time, I hope you can use some of this information to continue to learn and continue to engineer your own success. Thank you for listening to the Engineering Career Coach Podcast. Be sure to visit engineeringcareercoach.com where you can find all past episodes and also download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also to help develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success.